Big V Racing. You're with Matt Nevitt and Sean Cosgrove. It's time for Green Light On. On Big V Racing. Green Light On. With Dan Malicki. Yes, it is that time on a Thursday afternoon where we talk trots with the voice of harness racing in this state. Dan Malecki, and what a week it's been so far. Two nights down of the Inter-Dominion, and we look ahead to Geelong on Saturday night. Good afternoon to you, Dan. Good afternoon, Matt. Nice to talk to you again, and, and Sean. Um, look, it's been terrific. Uh, Shepparton was great. I really enjoyed Shepparton Tuesday night. Weather was terrific for a change. We had a couple of uh, <laughs> poor weather nights on on our big nights in the previous week or so, um, but that was over the short trip. Racing was great. Gee, there were some tight finishes. You could see how competitive it was with some of those blanket finishes across the track, uh, which was fantastic. Yeah, there were some certainly some tight finishes. You're not wrong, and. You're not wrong about the weather either. I think it's meant to be 30 degrees on Saturday at Geelong, so you can look forward to that, Dan. I just wanted to ask you about that protest. Um, Mark Pitt and Jack Callaghan in the uh, the stewards' room afterwards. It was great vision on Trot's vision to take us inside the stewards' room. Did you have a a particular take on it one way or the other? Oh, no. Look, it was bordering on frivolous. In fact, I think it was frivolous. I think back in the old, uh, Mark probably would have got fined. Uh, there was no hope in Hades. That could have been upheld. Um, Mick Curran, I think, was quite colourful on the Trots Vision coverage, and we had Andrew Bensley on RSN as well. And I, I thought it was great drama. In fact, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, giving a, um, a leave pass for Mark Pitt for protesting because it, it created a great watch. Um, in fact, I thought uh, if someone, if there was some significant interference, it would have been a really good dramatic courtroom drama. You know, <laughs> Jay, Jason Bonington was in the uh, in the room there, and uh, he was uh, putting the microphone in front of the two uh, t- two drivers, and it was it was terrific. There's something about the tension that goes into uh, a protest room. Um, and even in that case, look, there was no hope, absolutely zero chance you could possibly uh, be upheld, let alone actually be a protest in the first place. But it, it gave you a bit of a sense of what goes on there and it just tiny little things were, were making you think, oh, hello, you know, even though there was no way it could possibly happen. So um, it was great for them to get the cameras in the in the stewards' room and see how a, a protest is conducted and... Um, if we do get uh, a big protest, uh, it'll be great to be in there. Because remember, remember last year, mm-hmm. protest, grand final, paces, upheld. Mm-hmm. So uh, just remember that. Imagine if we were in there for that one. It would have been incredible. Dan, the other night, gee, girl power was to the fore as far as training goes, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. The um, Between Jess Tubbs, uh, Belinda McCarthy and... Uh, yeah, and Emma Stewart, of course, they've they've dominated the uh, the pacing uh, series, um, which is which is fantastic. It's it's probably uh, replicating what harness racing is all about as well. Um, we, we've got leading trainers are, are females, leading drivers are, are females. Uh, we've got our CEO at the at the moment. Hopefully, she sticks on in their position. Fiona Mello, uh, female across the board, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, it's probably the only uh, industry uh, where. Uh, at least uh, that borders on a sport uh, where uh, women are on the same playing field, but not just on the same playing field. They don't need allowances. They don't need head starts. They're uh, equal playing field and above and beyond uh, the males and, and lifting the bar all the time. So their uh, their horses are coming together so well. It just highlights how fortunate we are to have such professionals, such outstanding trainers. And that was to the fore on Saturday night. Their teams, it wasn't just their individual horses, it was their whole teams that were going so well. Yeah, j- just on Emma Stewart, Dan, obviously, She's been, her and Clayton Tonkin have been one of the stars of 
harness racing over the last few years, but they have never been real big players in the Inter-Dominion series. But finals night, they're going to have a pretty strong team there. And um, I guess that they're just a stable that continues to get bigger and better. And it's almost scary for their competition. Well, it is. The, the top three point scorers at the moment are all trained by Emma Stewart in Honolulu Bay, Acknow and Macdan. They've all been uh, winners of uh, of at least one heat. And uh, then the uh, the next one is uh, trained by Belinda McCarthy. The next one is uh, Jess Tubbs. The next one is Emma Stewart. The next one is Belinda McCarthy. The next one is Emma Stewart. So you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The top eight point scorers at the moment are all trained by females. Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing that it's uh, so many horses trained by so few people. Um, well, they're, they're the top stables. Um, we've had this before. With, I've heard Matt Stewart talk about with Kieran Ma mm. and and or uh, Chris Waller. Um, but the thing is, success uh, attracts uh, people to want to have their horses with the top stable. So uh, if they weren't going as well, they wouldn't attract a lot of those. And, and in every case, just about, they're owned by different owners. Mm. Uh, it's not as if there's a dominant uh, owner uh, that has, uh, you know, three quarters of the stable or a private trainer per se. They're all owned in different interests. Fortunate for me because they wear different colours, thankfully. In uh, in Honolulu Bay, Acknow and, and Macdan in particular. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, guys, getting uh, caught up with a late night after watching the Socceroos <laughs> last night. Um, and, of course, expensive ego and spirit of St. Louis are in different colours as well. So from my perspective, I like that. Well, the other thing is, as you said, the owners of them more than happy to have the horses trained by them because they're going to be prepared beautifully and off to the races. They'd be in those races anyway. Yeah, maybe trained oh, by someone else, so why not? Oh, that, well, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, that's... Uh, uh, across the board, they've got a really strong hand. All of those stables, for that matter. I mean, Emma's obviously domiciled here in Victoria, but uh, as far as Belinda and Luke McCarthy are concerned, they've got to travel from New South Wales. We're fortunate this year that we, we've really needed the, the New South Wales uh, horses and the trainers to be here, and they make up a significant portion of the, the pacing ranks, and we've got some from interstate through the, the trotting ranks as well. Uh, keeping in mind... Uh, the Kiwis, and we love the Kiwis, there's only one New Zealand trained uh, horse in the whole series, and that's the Trotter Bolt for Brilliance. Uh, just before we go through the heats, Dan, for, for Saturday night, the pacing series overall, it's remarkably open. We sort of touched on this on Monday on Gatesby, but even more so after Tuesday night, it's, it's, it looks to be wide open, which I think is only a great thing for the sport and also for the series. Um, it's very difficult to pick out who you think is going to win the, the whole series. It's funny, before the series started, you had about $5, $5.50 the field, the openness, because nothing was putting their hand up. Now you've got $5, $5.50 the field because so many are putting their <laughs> yeah. hand up. Um, and it'll come down to barrier draws as to who's going to start favourite on the night. And it could swing pretty quickly. Not that we would get a short price favourite, but if Expensive Ego drew well, I think he'd run favourite. If Spirit of St. Louis drew well and the others didn't, he'd be favourite. And the horse that uh, has certainly resonated with a lot of people uh, would be in, uh, horses like Acknow and Honolulu Bay. And even MacDan, for that uh, matter, uh, the better the draw that they have, um, uh, the, the shorter they'll be in the market without being ridiculous. It's so competitive. It's great to see. And uh, we, we haven't got the champion horse this year or, or the bunch of champion horses, say, that we had on Breeders' Crown Night. It's a completely different feel. But because it's an inter-dominion, uh, I've said a few times, it, that keeps the dream alive for far more horses and far more connections than normal. And I think that's a good thing. Interesting situation with Tony Hurley having to go back to fulfil commitments in New Zealand and Josh Dickey gets into the bike on Bolt for Brilliance. 
Good opportunity for uh, for Josh. Uh, he's on a on a pretty good horse, though. It should be a pretty sweet ride. Al- although in that race, it does look like a match in two, and a lot might depend on who's able to lead. But they are over the longer trips on Saturday night. Um, so uh, with a good draws for Bolt for Brilliance and Just Believe, they could very easily single out um, with Bolt for Brilliance in front of Just Believe. They're both safe to get through, but... They're also in such good form, and they've got a fair bit on their opposition. Uh, as to who would lead, I'm not really sure. Josh is um, often aggressive out of the gate, and Greg will be in the perfect position to know whether he's at any disadvantage if he didn't lead or not. So Bolt for Brilliance is the shorty at the moment, a dollar and forty. But uh, we'll get a better gauge as to Just Believe and um, whether he could sit off a Bolt for Brilliance because if Just Believe drew. Uh, worse in the in the final. He's had front row draws through the series so far. Um, Greg, this is a good opportunity for Greg to just test him out a little bit um, against a bolt for brilliance in a way to see how well he comes off the speed. Uh, so that's a really good race and a great opportunity for Josh. But Josh has had tremendous success with some very good horses, particularly trotters over the years, and has worked with Tony Hurley. He Tony knows him well, and that's where the horse is staying as well. So Josh would have had a lot to do with bolt for brilliance while he's been here in Melbourne. He's a dollar forty in that. First heat of the trotting series there on Saturday night at Geelong. It's one of the great things about the series, isn't it, Dan, that you go from the 1690 on a Tuesday, four days later, you've got to back up and go 2570, and it's just one of the great aspects of the series and what makes it so special. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And it's funny, if this was a thoroughbred series, uh, the question marks would be everywhere, wouldn't they? With horses swapping distances. Yet in the harness, there's only one every now and then that you might pluck out um, that could be a a suspect at the trip. And in fact, more so, it's how they back up as opposed to them getting a strong trip. Um, Because there's three runs in a week, most horses, the majority of horses, they don't need to be worked. They're getting their hard work through their racing, and that's a way of trying to keep them fresh. But it's not an easy assignment when they're running over effectively a mile on the Tuesday and they're over the, well, beyond a mile and a half, 2,570 metres on the Saturday, keeping in mind that the grand finals are also over the long trip, over 2,760 metres the following week at um, at Melton. And, of course, there are horses there that, that need to produce their best if they're going to make the grand finals. There's a few horses there that... Um, uh, in a precarious position to, to qualify. I, I think the, the, the list, at least for the trotters, is, is pretty much done and dusted. Um, there might be one or two that get in at the expense of one or two others that fade away or make mistakes. But in the, in the, the pacing ranks, um, there's probably your top eight, I think, are safe to get through. And then there's a few spots that are up, up for grabs. But horses that are out of the top 12 at the moment, they pretty much have to win or run second to displace others that are above them. So um, you want to keep form, rhythm, and form is so important. You don't want to muck around with that. We see that happen with uh, with other sports so often. And you change momentum, and uh, that's one thing that it's almost impossible to get back, isn't it? Rhythm and momentum in sport, or racing for that matter. So if you've got a horse that's in good form going into the third and final round of heats, there's nothing you want to change. Dan, when you mentioned about Gallopers trying to do that, the one who sprung to mind straight away and I thought it'd be hard to find to get enough to go around the whole series was Mahogany. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right. And, it, and, and he's just a rarity. He was a three-year-old. Yeah. yeah, he was a rarity. Mind you, back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, they, they weren't opposed to horses uh, running over different distances, picking out the big races through the course of a week and backing up quickly. It was far more the norm. Uh, that has changed a lot uh, in the 21st century. But 
You know, Bart Cummings never had a problem with running horses three times in a week, mm. and and it worked very successfully for him for a long period of time. And even his predecessors, you know, you remember Farlap winning on all four days of the carnival. Vane almost yeah, did Vane it. Did. Uh, well, he was uh, tried on the on, on the big races through the course in in nineteen sixty nine or seventy, but it had been done before. But these are massive jumps and distances, yeah, and that's the thing. They're not just jumps and distances. Then. They start off at a middle trip, go to a short trip, then out to a longer trip. Mm. Uh, it's a bit like a decathlon in a way, but only uh, four races, isn't it, for horses? Yeah. You couldn't right. do it with the thoroughbreds these days. There's no way in the world that trainers would be that uh, willing to, to back up their horses under those sort of extremities uh, anymore. Uh, the second of the trotting heats, Dan, on, on Saturday night is race four on the program at Geelong. It's at 7 o'clock. Uh, seven o'clock. Queen Alita, uh, Mufasa Metro are the two short price favourites in this race, and really, they're the only two that the market is gravitating towards here. Yeah, and I think... I'd say rightly so, because Mufasa Metro has got the gate speed to be able to lead this race. Uh, so he'll be advantaged there. Uh, Queen Alita was terrific on Tuesday night. She led. She was in a position, we have seen her in that position before by leading, but she didn't have to be used up out of the gate, and she still showed that electrifying turn of foot uh, coming around the final turn. So I think she's in great form. But from barrier number seven, it'll be interesting to see what Chris does, because it is over the longer trip, uh, and you want them going into the grand final with a head full of confidence here. So um, what Chris does in the early part will be interesting. I doubt that she could cross Mufasa Metro unless John Justice would be happy to, to take the trail. So that'll be an interesting scenario. It's too long a race to want to have a gut buster on the final heat when you're assured of getting into the grand final. Um, so Queen Alita, whether she would go forward or not, uh, look, it doesn't matter as far as her qualification is concerned uh, for the grand final, but it does on whether she wins or not. The advantage might, uh, in that heat on Saturday night, if you're going to have a punt on that race, Mufasa Metro, I think, has the advantage because he's a good horse in front. Can he run out that longer trip as strong? I'm not sure, but uh, they should dominate. The horses on the back row are the others that I think are chances of running uh, top four, uh, like uh, an always ready. And even a Sundon's Courage, who uh, was out of the draw and still is for Saturday night's run, as is Chinese Whisper, they're capable. They're going to have to come into the race at some stage, and I suspect the race will not be run at a frantic speed, uh, so they'll be... Uh, invited, if you will, to make moves at some stage mid-race to make it a little bit more competitive. So that injection of moves in the race is probably going to help Queen a leader and then she can come out, if she is driven for a set, to run over the top of them. The uh, the next one, the the fifth heat nine for the Trotters, is interesting, Dan, because Majestuoso has drawn five, it's a dollar eighty. Nephew of Sunoco out of nine at four forty. You've got a couple of other chances there. One overall's doing the pole, eight fifty, and nine fifty about six pink galars. Look, it's all about Majestuoso here. I don't think he's going uh, at his best. He, he's a couple of lengths below where he peaked. He probably peaked about 12 months ago. Uh, so where he's at now is uh, close to the mark, but not quite there. But he comes into a race that he really should win. This is his opportunity to win. He should be able to press forward, and, and I would think find the top, and I don't have any excuses here. So he should be winning this race, Majestuoso. Am I game enough to back him at around that quote? Uh, probably not, uh, but it does look his race. Nephew of Sunoco in terrific form, which is good to see. He gets a back row draw this time. He can still run really well. One overall, can you trust him back 
from barrier number one. He was okay from the back row last week, but even Greg Sugars had said prior to the first heat when he was an odds-on favourite, I'm not sure I can trust him. Uh, from barrier number one, he needs to be cuddled up there. As long as he balances up, he's got the ability, there's no doubt about that, but uh, he might be inviting at a price to have a saver on, but that could be all over before it begins with one overall. He's got his own mind. But he's the other horse with the ability to win it. Brandlow Prince might be a horse at odds that can run well. There were a couple of horses with improved performances uh, the other night as they've gone through the series. One was Illawong Stardust with a cheaper run. Another was definitely Pink Galaz. She travelled up really well to the home turn, and then I thought her condition uh, peaked. So it's going to be harder over the longer trip, but they might go a bit slower. They don't necessarily go as solid time. So that might help her cause, and I think she'll just be cuddled up and waiting for one run. And the other horse that was much better was Sleepy, uh, who's only early into her preparation as well. She She found the line really well, and I wouldn't be dismissing her, but... Look, this is a race for Majestuoso. It's all about him. It's his race to lose. All right, Majestuoso in the third of the heats. And then we head over to the pacing heats, and the first of those sees Honolulu Bay will probably start a short price favourite. I think you're getting $1.50 as we speak. Emma Stewart's got him going superb over the last couple of starts, obviously over suitable trips. So this is a little bit more of a test down over the 25-7 and will certainly give us an indication on whether or not He's the real deal to actually take out the series. And I know if you shopped correctly on Monday or Tuesday morning, I think it was, uh, yeah, Tuesday morning, Mikey Velasaris was all over it. $15 mm. you could get about Honolulu Bay, which is just extraordinary. Uh, there are question marks, but that was a silly price, Dan. And if he does come out and win on Saturday night, I think he's a real contender. Oh, no, he's a real contender, even if he doesn't win on Saturday night, because they get seven days uh, to uh, to have him spot on for the final. He, he showed he could handle the quick backup within four days. He's safe to get through to the grand final. Uh, David Moran, he can drive him the way he best suits uh, or thinks the horse is going to be best suited uh, to be able to, A, win the race on Saturday night, but also to get through the series. Uh, he ticked an extra box for me the other night. He was both uh, tough because he was the one horse that looked so athletic that you wonder whether a few runs quickly uh, could be a bit tougher for him, but that was far from the case. He has come through with flying colours. He can press his way to the top, potentially lead. Torrid Saints, the fastest horse on the front line, or I shouldn't actually say that. Elter Orlando may well match him for that, but the advantage is with Torrid Saint. Both those horses could fly the gate lead and then look to take a trail, most likely behind Honolulu Bay. But as we've seen with Honolulu Bay, he's going so well not being driven aggressively, but being driven strong for the last 1,000 metres. And his Ballarat win was not dissimilar. He worked around them, was right up there on the speed for the last lap, and the same with the run at Shepparton when he was wide the last lap and still toughed it out. So uh, David Moran, he, he can drive this horse however he feels comfortable. Uh, I think they work together really well. He'll be the horse to beat. But um, I think uh, Better Eclipse, I thought his run was still really good the other day, Better Eclipse. It's funny, this horse, he keeps drawing well, and I'm not sure he's a horse that's best suited from good gates. He's probably better when he has to, doesn't have to do so much in the early part of his races. He's a very good sit sprinter, and he loves a fast-run race, um, which is unlikely he's going to get it here. Once they settle, there are probably going to be no mid-race moves, but it's Honolulu Bay better eclipse than most likely to win it. 
and then I think Torrid Saint and uh, Elter Orlando are good place chances, particularly Torrid Saint. If, you, if you're looking at a horse at big odds that might be able to get into the grand final and you want a long shot that will probably halve its price, Torrid Saint's a really good chance to run top three here and secure a grand final spot. If he drew well in the final, he'd probably be a 30-to-1 shot. So, you know, it might be a reasonable uh, investment if you're looking at a bit of value for next week's uh, grand final. Now, Dan, Heat 8's interesting because the favourite is Act Now drawn at one on the, obviously on the front. Five, expensive Ego on five at 370. Uh, Act Now is $1.65. And in between them on three is Beyond Delight, 550. They're the three main chances, all drawn well. Yeah, look, I think there's two main chances. I think it's Act Now and Expensive Ego. Uh, Beyond Delight, I think, is best suited when he is uh, driven as a sit sprinter. Um, he hasn't got the speed to, to cross Act Now, uh, and he hasn't got the strength to sit outside of him either. He's a very good horse, but he's a bit of a Goldilocks in a way, in a nice way. Goldilocks is nice too, uh, but to get everything right. And what I mean by that is when he doesn't have to use too much petrol in the early part, at least at this level, and he gets a strong tempo, as he showed at Ballarat last Saturday night, he can reel off blistering quarters. Uh, he can go inside 26 his final quarter. And um, he might be able to get the right run to do that here. But I don't expect super pressure. It's a matter of whether Acknow... I can't see Acknow relenting uh, the lead. I can see him in front. An expensive ego, well... He's been doing it tough all the way through the series, and I don't see a lot uh, different here. What's probably an expensive ego's favour here for Luke McCarthy is he can just let him flop out of the gate, end up in a position uh, probably in the second half of the field if he wants to, and then gradually make a move and and might have to do it tough for the last 1,200 metres. He's in the grand final. Acknow will be in the grand final. Beyond Delight looks safe to be in the grand final. So these horses, they don't have to uh, take uh, risks with uh, because they're looking uh, ahead to the the big race the week after. The one there's a maybe a query on is Majestic Cruiser. He needs a good performance. He pretty much Mm -hmm. has to run top four to get in, and he should be able to do that. But they'll want to take luck out of the equation to a degree. Uh, so he's the one that can improve. He's a good stayer, Majestic Cruiser. Getting to this trip suits him. And the, the quicker they run the race, um, the better chance he is. Believe it or not, he's probably a better chance in the grand final than what he is in this heat on Saturday night because it's more likely to be run at a, at a really strong tempo at Melton. So he's definitely in the mix. The others, probably there's a few place chances there. I've been taken by Acknow, guys. I've always been a big rap for the horse. When he was coming through as a three-year-old in the Derby series, very exciting. He stepped it up now to the open age. He showed that he's more than adept coming from the back of the field. His run on Tuesday night was outstanding. Now he has a gate that uh, it's up to Jody, you know, what she does. But I suspect when you've got a horse with gate speed, you use the asset. And uh, I expect that he should be able to lead. Whether or not Expensive Ego wants to put the pressure on him enough in the last lap to want to uh, outstay him, that'll be up to Luke. But as I said, when a horse is in form, they have rhythm and they have confidence, it's one thing that you don't want to mess with. Yeah, it's a good race. Probably the race I'm most looking forward to on Saturday night at Geelong. It's a good point about Majestic Cruise. He was the horse that I was most keen on for the entire series heading in, but it's certainly go time now. He needs, as you mentioned, Dan, to finish top four on Saturday night. So uh, push is coming to shove. The final of the heats is race nine. Mac Dan's the $1.90 favourite after a nice win on Tuesday night. Uh, you've also got Triple Eight at $9 off the front row, and Neurotic Prince is at $7 also for Emma Stewart and uh, David Moran. Interesting race to finish off the heats on Saturday, Dan. 
Well, Spirit of St. Louis, I think he put his hand up on Tuesday night to say, hey, don't forget about me, uh, and nor should we. He was terrific. Uh, a more challenging draw, but he'll be safe getting through. I'm pretty sure of that, whether he's driven with one run or not. To be able to win this race, I'm not sure, because he'll have to have a hard run to do it, but he's a very good horse and capable of. Uh, there's a lot of horses in this race from good draws that are unlikely to get through to the final, uh, and there'll be 100 to one shots here, so they'll probably be out of harm's way to a degree. So Spirit of St. Louis wants to make a mid-race move. He should be able to. I don't really see a horse there that's going to be capable of, of uh, keeping him out. He might be able to get to a cheap spot outside the leader. Now, that leader I expect to be McDan. He's very good off the gate. Um, I was disappointed with his run at uh, Ballarat. I thought he, he couldn't get beaten. He loves uh, being in front. He, he loves pressure. He responds to it well, yet he was run down. It was a brave third, but put a bit of a question mark on Tuesday night. But uh, he was terrific uh, over the shorter trip. Up to the longer trip, he's run fourth in a hundred cups. I don't have any queries about him over the longer trip. And I think he can get a comfortable lead here, depending on what they want to do with I Cast No Shadow. Now, here's another one that would need a, a first or a second to get through to the final. Has got the gate speed to cross everything on its inside. Just a matter of then they would be happy to hand up. Often they're not, uh, but he'd get a lovely run there. And let's face it, if you're sitting behind Mac Dan, you're not going to get any better run than that. So uh, he was disappointing the way he dropped out the other night when he led I Cast No Shadow. So maybe that softer trip, if he comes out of the gate to get the right run, he could be a horse that can turn it around. But Mac Dan's at the top of his game, as showed by Tuesday night. Naratak Prince is the one... I don't know whether we can say he's under the radar still at the moment, but his performances have been most consistent. He's really stepped it up. He's the one that was coming uh, up in class, and he shows he's right up to this level. So he's a hope as well. But I'd say the class runners should find it out. Macdown, Spirit of St. Louis, Naratak Prince, the other winning hope, and I cast no shadows, the other one that's capable of figuring prominently in that finish. Can't Good. wait for it. Absolutely cannot wait. Hey, Danny, uh, we've got to let you go in a moment, but uh, just outside of the uh, the heats on Saturday night, is there one that you'd be keen to steer us into? Well, it's probably going to be a, a short price favourite in every race on the program on Saturday night, so it might be a good night, although it's fraught with danger. It often is. Uh, we always go that one leg too far when we go for all-ups, <laughs> but I think uh, Polly put kettle on should be winning the first event with, uh, with her barrier draw, Emma Stewart, Stable Mark Pitt, Need to say um, no more. Uh, the second event on the card, the interesting runner is Lombo Heaven now with Ashley Herbertson. It looks a really good race for Lombo Heaven. There's a couple of scratchings out of that race so far. Um, so I like uh, race two, number 10. No odds are available at the moment, but there's a chance that you'll get a little bit of value on, on Lombo Heaven. And then towards the end of the night, the last couple of races are really good. They're, we've got the ninth race with the three-year-olds. This is an excellent race, guys. Um, with Flash Jimmy, I thought on Flash Jimmy's last run, wherever he went to, he wins next start. And then he's in a race with Where's the Gold, who's got upside Emma Stewart, Lightning Dan from Sydney. He's the son of a gunner, Group 1 winner, and interest-free, who was placed just a few starts ago in the Geelong Cup against the old horses. That is a terrific race, but I can't single out anything because there's so much depth. Race 10 is an excellent race as well, so they're two really good races towards the back end of the card. Finding an, a, a best bet, look, I think it's the Majestuoso's uh, race to lose, as I said before. He's, he's probably more backable than a lot of the other shorties that are on the program. Initially, I thought I didn't really want to take super short odds, 
but I actually thought he'd be a dollar thirty. So he's far better odds than that. Uh, it's his chance to stand up, Majestuoso. He should race five, number five. Great stuff, Dan. It's probably a good thing that the market isn't out for some of those races yet, because I might have done a Matty Stewart and already put the five leg <laughs> multi on. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I've got it in my notes, so uh, it'll be, still be a dangerous decision a little bit later in the day. Hey, good stuff, Dan. Enjoy Saturday night. It's uh, been a wonderful series so far. Can't wait to see what happens on night three. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Sean. We'll do.